Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's really stepping in. I always say we need to be a boundary for a kid before they can be that boundary for themselves. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet, over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Season four, where to even begin? This community has continued to grow and I am incredibly grateful for you. Your DMs, downloads, shares, and comments, each week you show up with me here. You bring me your aha moments, your wins and struggles. Thank you for joining me here and let's get started with another amazing season. Today, I am so excited to bring Dr. Becky to this space. New York Times best-selling author and child psychologist, Dr. Becky is referred to as the parent whisperer of our time. If there's one thing that resonates with all of us from Dr. Becky's work, it is this. You are good inside. Your kid is good inside. Let's go into today's episode. Dr. Becky, thank you for joining me here today. I know this conversation is going to be so helpful for so many. And I know when it comes to parenthood, to our relationships, we are doing a lot of work around healing, breaking cycles, and changing this core experience of shame that so many of the parents we work with are struggling with. Well, I always love talking to you, Tracy. So thank you for having me. Let's focus today. I mean, we could go in all kinds of different directions, but I think today let's just talk about what it means to sit with our feelings. And I think this is something that really overlaps in both of our practices, you with parents and working with children, me with couples, with those new parents trying to navigate their couple relationship. And I think one of the biggest things we bump up against is actually what it means to sit in someone's emotional experience. What does sitting in our emotional experience mean to you? What does that look like? So I think about sitting with emotions as learning to kind of be okay experiencing that emotion rather than looking for ways out of the emotion. And Mm. let me be clear, like, it's not like I personally am so good at this. Like my husband and I always joke, he's like, I hope everyone knows that you love talking about sitting with emotions because you are working on sitting with emotion. It's not because emotions. So I don't say that enough. So I do think I talk about it all the time because I know how important it is for resilience. And I know how important it is because I have the lived experience of having a hard time with it. So I can give an example of the difference between sitting with versus fixing or getting out. But I'd also encourage listeners to to kind of trust that you know the difference. 
right? Because I always think a framework is more powerful and definitely empowering than a strategy or a script. I love strategies and scripts. And I know everyone always says like, oh, Dr. Becky, I love your strategies and scripts. But it's really anxiety provoking as a parent to think like, what am I supposed to say? What did Tracy tell me to say? What did Becky tell me to say? Versus, whoa, 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 like, what am I going for here? What's my framework? And let me then trust myself, knowing my unique kid to then apply that, right? So my kid says, I'm the only one in my class who doesn't know how to read. Hey, you'll read one day. Don't worry about it. You'll read one day. Exactly. So I'm like, oh, is that the script that Becky and Tracy said is okay? And then if I just ask myself, okay, my kid said they can't read and they seem really sad because they said they're the only one who can't read. And then I say, you can read or you can read one day or everyone goes at their own pace. Like I know just thinking that they're like, I'm definitely taking them out of that emotion. I'm just I'm like trying to take them out of sad and bring them into happy versus sitting in the emotion. There's also something beautiful about sitting in it, just saying like, would that mean I just literally sit next to my child and maybe rub their back? It's like, yeah, just literally sit with them is a great way to sit with an emotion. But to put that into words, it might be saying, oh, you noticed that the other kids were able to read the books they chose during quiet time. And you're not yet able to do that. You really noticed that. And that that felt really tricky. I'm glad you're sharing that with me. That would be sitting in. And and just because I'm a skeptic too. So like I'm already anticipating listeners being like, why is that helpful? Like, why is that helpful in life? Why would I do that? <laughs> um, you know, when we fast forward to adulthood, one of the things I always think about the years uh, that I saw adults in my private practice is I never once had an adult come and say, my parents got all the frustration out of me. My parents got all the jealousy out of me. My parents figured out how I never felt less than other people ever again. And now as an adult, I'm always happy and confident and satisfied with my life, right? Like that's never happened. So our kids feel the whole range of feelings that we feel as adults. As an adult, we feel all the feelings. We feel less than, we feel jealous, we feel sad, we feel frustrated. And the only difference between adults is whether we've developed coping skills for those feelings or whether we're kind of still as scared and overwhelmed by those feelings as we were when we were two or five. And, you know, at least for my kids, I don't think their problem when they're 25 is going to be I'm the only kid who can't read or I'm the only person at my job who can't read. I have a feeling they're going to get there, right? But they very well might be the only person who doesn't get staffed on a exciting new project, or they might be the only person who's not invited to a dinner, or they might be, be the only person who doesn't have a partner, you know, one day when all of their close friend partners are engaged. And I really want my kids at those moments to be able to say to themselves the equivalent of, it's okay to feel this way. Like, it's hard, and I can, I can be me. Like, I'm going to get through this. And the more we sit with kids when they're younger and their feelings, ironically, the more we allow them to sit with themselves later on, which actually allows them to cultivate problem solving and happiness because the feelings don't overwhelm them. Which is the piece that shows up in my office, which is the, I'm not going to sit with this inside myself, or I'm not going to sit with this with my partner. And I can remember a client and specifically knowing that she's trying to show up with sitting with her children's emotional experiences. And then she's driving along the car with her partner and her partner is saying just how anxious they are about this next phase of their life. And what does she do? She goes into problem solving. Well, you just need to. I know, but you should just start to, right? And so then in that moment, when I can reflect back to her, isn't that interesting? You're actually doing something quite different with your 
adult partner than with your child and you don't want to or not want to, but you're struggling to sit in their emotional experience. It's like, yeah, oh, right. That's right. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm jumping into problem solving because we've never had, perhaps we didn't have that experience growing up. The experience of sitting with what it means to, um, to, to have a real experience and to trust that, that you're okay, right? Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom and instead my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code Loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Yeah. And I think so many of us when we were growing up, you know, who had parents who were doing the best they could with the resources they had available. We developed phobias of certain emotions of ours, right? And why? Because we didn't have people who acknowledged them, who validated them, who permitted those feelings to be there. And so we have this like intergenerational legacy. What feelings were my parents 
kind of not allowed to have in the presence of others? What feelings did my parents never have validated? Those are the feelings I never had validated. I try to run away from. And those are the feelings I'm triggered by in my kids until there's a generation who says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know if this is the best way. I don't know if this is working for me or for my kids. And what if I am the generation who says, hey, that kind of stops with me and I can make at least somewhat of a pivot. And that becomes a huge gift to us in our adult life and to our kids, right? Because I think that's an important point. Like parents will say, I don't want to pass on my anxiety to my kids. I am very anxious or I don't tolerate frustration well. And um, I do predict negative things for myself and I don't want to pass that on to my kids. So I want to work on it. And I always find myself saying, look, I, I care about your kids' well-being obviously also, but what about just for you? Like I, I maybe deserve just to feel like you live with less anxiety. Maybe you deserve to tolerate more frustration and that would just help you in your life. Yes, you're going to give that to your kids, but you know, I, I always feel like we deserve that for ourselves as well. Yes. Oh, I think that's so important of just being able to say, I want to show up differently when anxiety rears up and takes over, right? Like I want to just feel differently and yeah. Someone said to me in our membership, I don't know if I told you this, Tracy, but it was the funniest thing. I got this DM from someone who'd been a member for a while. And it only said this, Dr. Becky, I don't think you care about kids. And I was just like, what is this message? Like, And, and, and I was like, what? And I know her well enough. I was like, what do you mean? And she goes, I think you get our attention through a topic that you know we care about and we're maybe less defensive. We give these scripts, you give these strategies for kids, but you really are trying to help parents and kind of moms and dads uh, just like live fuller lives themselves, you know? And I, and I just kind of laughed. I said, well, you know, can't two things be true? Can I care about you and your kids? And they're like, I guess fine, but you tricked us. You tricked us into like living more empowered lives, you know, but if that, I will, I will sign up to trick people for that all day long. Cause then the benefits are multiple, right? Oh, of course, of course, which is exactly what I talk about with couples, right? If you can show up to yourself with kindness and compassion, what does that then mean? Or, or even that curiosity, right? Ooh, I'm having this big feeling right now. Oh, why am I having this? I'm so stupid. It's so silly that I'm still having this, right? And you just lump yourself over the head with that. But if you show up with, hmm, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Why am I feeling this way when my partner, I like to kind of rag on my husband, when he leaves his socks on the floor mm-hmm. again. Why am I showing up this way? What is this about for me? What am I struggling with right now? And can I offer myself that kindness that we all need when we have difficult and hard moments? And then how does that help us show up in all of our other relationships? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. I think this is so different than what, and again, I love that you said that our parents did the best with what they could. And I've had this conversation with my own parents who ascribed to what parenting looked like in the eighties and did, did great, right? They did their best. And I, we talked about how information transfers, how quickly it moves today, how much things are changing. And mm-hmm. I had found a 1982 parenting book. Well, I should mm-hmm. say a 1982 child book. It was called Let's Talk About Dot Dot Dot. And there was a whole big series. Let's talk about disobedience. Let's talk about selfishness. Mm-hmm. And I opened it recently and I remember liking this one image. There's a girl with her hand in the cookie jar. And so I liked the book. And so did my friends. I liked the book too. And the story really is. You burned your hand because I told you not to, and that's what happens. You should always listen to your adults because they're older. Or I told you if you don't share your toys, then you will have no friends, right? Like, oh, my my gut just turned when I read these pages, these 1982 pages. 
And just yeah. to think of how far we're coming, the work you're doing, the message you're sharing around what it means to sit with feelings. But I think that comes back to this piece around believing that sitting with feelings is soft. And I know I know this is my internal dialogue that sometimes shows up as well, is that especially when uh, other generations, older generations are there in front of me and my kid is having this meltdown and the internal narrative that comes over me is make it stop, make it stop, just do something to make it stop. They don't believe that what you're doing is going to make it stop. And that's hard. It is hard. I mean, there's so many elements there, right? There's this intergenerational change. There's this new approach. There's our parents' judgment or their perceived judgment. There's the way we're triggered. There's so many things that happen, right? So a couple of things there. Number one, let's just tackle like feelings as soft. You know, I don't know who started this narrative. I have a feeling it was someone a long, long time ago. So I don't think I'm going to find that person. But I do find it just very curious. Like, feelings are soft or talking about feelings and emotions is soft. Like we feel before we think it's primary. We're animals. We react. We sense, we feel things in our body that happens before we try to make sense of them. Right. And so the idea that feelings are soft to me is always like, it's like laughable. It's like, well, it's the first thing that happens in the chain. So if we want to be effective about where the chain ends, which is always some form of behavior, like to me, it's just logical that like, you'd probably want to know where it starts. You know, it would be like, I don't know. It's like someone saying like, I see you have a leak in your roof. And, you know, instead of putting duct tape, you might want to get to the source of the leak. And so I'm being like, I don't know, it's a pretty soft approach. I think I'll just put some painter's tape on it. Like, I don't know anyone who'd be like, that is a really strong, solid idea, right? Um, that's fixed what feelings it. are. <laughs> yeah, I fixed it. Like, no, like, okay, put duct tape all you want, but like nobody thinks that's going to really help your leak long-term. You have to go to the point you can't see to have the most impact and effectiveness, right? And the point you can't see is where it all begins. That's what feelings are. It's the thing we can't see. So it is confusing, right? So maybe that's something. It's confusing. When you fall down and scrape your knee, you, you probably bleed. And like, there is something nice to be like, oh, I blood, I have blood and I'm hurt. Like, I see that. Feelings don't do that. So they are just kind of confusing. But I would buy that feelings are confusing, but feelings are soft, never really made sense. It's the start of the chain. It's the source of the leak. And so... I don't think that the opposite of feelings are soft or that feelings are hard. I just think talking about feelings is what allows for effective change. And I'm personally, as a pragmatic person, one for effectiveness. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. 
and you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Connect that to what we're doing in terms of boundaries, because I know a oh, lot of yes. people bump up against this piece around, okay, so I'm sitting with feelings so then I don't have boundaries or I set boundaries and then there's no feeling, right? It's almost, right. and this is what our brain likes to do when we're trying to understand things. We go to extremes, we go to all or nothings, we put ourselves in boxes and try to figure things out. And, and truthfully, as you already said, it's because just give me the script and tell me how it works. And if only it were that easy and it's not, but let, like, let's put those two together. Cause I think that's really important. Yeah. So I think that's exactly right. So there's this argument and I think it's like the straw man argument. Like nobody is actually taking the other side. So we care about feelings. So my son, I don't know, hits my other side. I am not sitting there saying, ah. Oh, Feel those feelings, honey. Let them out. This is so beautiful. I love this. Feel it. Like, obviously not. That would be so bizarre. I don't know anybody who would recommend that. And like, for some reason, the media likes to paint this picture that that's what like this parenting approach is about. It doesn't make any sense. And nobody is taking the other side. I think all it allows for is people to do what they've always done, which is discount the importance of feelings. Yeah, that's right. Feelings are kind of stupid and let's move on. Like, but nobody's actually taking the other side. That's not what it's about. And I do think what isn't portrayed enough, at least I'll speak from my approach, like the good inside approach, is validation and recognition of feelings goes hand in hand with very firm, very authoritative boundaries. That doesn't mean scary. That doesn't mean mean. That doesn't mean authoritarian. Boundaries and feelings are actually friends and they really go hand in hand. So my son's hitting my younger son. There's a danger happening. And first of all, it's not only dangerous to my kid getting hit. This is what we miss. It's dangerous to the kid who's doing the hitting because this kid feels out of control and feels like a bad kid. That kid needs protection as much as the kid being hit. We don't have to make good and bad kids. We have two good kids and they both need our help. And so I'd step in with a boundary. I would say, I won't let you hit. I would not recommend saying we don't hit or stop hitting. Your kid is demonstrating they're out of control. We would never say to a kid running into a street, please stop running into the street, or we don't run into the street. We would just go grab them. Not because we're mean, because we need to protect them. That's what we would do. So that's a boundary. It's really stepping in. I always say we need to be a boundary for a kid before they can be that boundary for themselves. That is so important. That is sturdy. That is authoritative. And then after I say, I won't let you hit and, and actually apply that boundary. So it might be stepping in between my kids. It might mean holding one of my kids behind me. So the hitting actually can't happen if I say, I won't let you. And then I look at my kid who hit, right? And I think we get so obsessed. Who do you look at first? Like, it just doesn't matter. Like, we're not like doing behavioral reinforcement. I'd say to one of my kids, ouch, that wasn't okay. And I'd say to the other kid, Whatever the situation was, some version of, oh, it's so hard to share your toys, or you must be really upset about something. There's another way to let that out. We're going to figure it out together. And I'm validating the feeling under the behavior. I'm validating, maybe it's even the urge. Oh, it's so hard to 
you know, watch your brother play with your favorite truck and not grab it. I get that. I'm not going to let you grab it. I get that it's hard. And when we validate a feeling while holding a boundary, what we really say to a kid is a deep message. Your feelings are not as dangerous as they feel to you. I am able to help you control them. And over time, you will learn that same skill. And yeah, let me just say it again. Nothing about that is soft. Nothing about that approach is soft bullshit on that message. This is approach and approach for sturdy leaders, period. And I think about what it means to be a leader in a business. And we don't step in saying something like, we can't do that today. Or we, what would be a good example? I'm trying to think of like, well, we don't, we don't take new clients. Like, I mean, just that kind of boundary means nothing in in leadership, right? Like, it's like, and this old approach, Tracy, of like timeouts or sending people to your room. Like people say like, oh, this feeling stuff, is it soft? I'm like, do you know what's soft? Sending a kid away to a room. Like you literally have nothing better to do as an adult. You cannot think of what to do. Can you imagine if someone in a team meeting was like making a ruckus or like someone was, I don't know, like kind of not helping company culture. And the CEO of your company was like, you go to the closet and and stay there for two minutes and then come out. Okay. Okay. And if you do it again, I'm going to send you away to the closet and then you could come out, but then you're going to go back. Like if that was the CEO of my company, I'd be like, that is literally the best you get. That's, that's what you have. Like, you're not helping this employee. You're not actually changing and protecting our company culture. You're sending this person to a room by themselves and then just randomly letting them come out and doing it all over. Like, I think that is incredibly soft leadership. Like, that is not a yeah. CEO I would ever want to work for. But if I knew the CEO said some version of, hey, I'm not going to let you interrupt this meeting, right? I- I'm not going to let that happen. And here's what I'm going to do. And by the way, you and I, yeah, so let's meet after. Not because I'm, quote, reinforcing bad behavior, but because something's obviously going on. And I believe by talking to you, I might be able to help you. And then you're going to show up at next week's team meeting, actually in a different place, so our company can move forward. I want to work for that CEO. Yes, of course. The sturdy Mm -hmm. leader who you can feel soothed, right? The boundaries, empathy, validation, all of that helps us feel seen, helps us feel soothed, all of the things we need for secure attachment. That's what we're going for, right? We are hardwired to connect in that space. Okay. I have, I have to go back though, because we've all made mistakes. Yes. And like this, this is, this is, I, I think, and actually my husband's the one who has really taught me this. This isn't like my inner perfectionism. So, but my husband has come along and he has been amazing to help me see you're allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. You made the mistake. Right. And I think that is this other piece that we're doing here is recognizing that as parents, as partners, as individuals, as mothers, we are not perfect. And there's this repair piece that we can do. So I heard you say this at your book launch with the JCC and Gabby Bernstein asked you, what was the one thing that you would absolutely only continue to say? And you talked about the repair. And I've actually gone on to share this with several of my clients and it's been really powerful for them to hear this. What happens for a child when nobody repairs to them for them? Yeah. Yeah. So yes, for everyone listening, repair to me is the single most important strategy to get good at. And I really mean that. Like people say, do this, do this. Yeah, there's a lot of things we can do, but we can only do one thing at best as a parent. We're so busy, so overwhelmed. So make repair the goal for the week, for the month. And if you think about what Tracy and I are really saying, if we're telling you to get really good at repair, 
we are not only giving you permission to yell, we are actually telling you, you have to yell at your kids because the only way you could practice repair is if you did something you don't feel good about. So I am instructing you to do something you don't feel good about this week. So you have the opportunity to practice a really important skill in life and definitely with our kids. So what happens when we don't repair? I do. I, I often think like, why am I motivating to do something hard? It, for me personally, I'm like, okay, well, what's the alternative? And if I really don't like the alternative, that gives me motivation. So I think it's helpful. So I've just yelled at my kid. And yes, I really mean me. I really do yell at my kids often so I can practice repair. Um, practice and, showing up imperfectly. I like to remind myself that the lesson I'm teaching my kids is I am imperfect too. It's okay to be imperfect. We all make mistakes. A hundred percent. So I've just yelled, what's wrong with you? You know, you're a sociopath or whatever we like say at our worst moments. We're like, wow, I can't believe I just told my four-year-old he's a sociopath. He doesn't even know what that means, but that was really mean, right? So I've done this. And now my four-year-old or my eight-year-old or, you know, my 15-year-old, however old my kid is, is in their room. Let's just say later they're in the room and I'm spiraling in shame, you know, in my bathroom or something like that. And then like often the day goes by and I hear a lot from parents, you know, like, but then like, I don't know, like they didn't bring it up. They were fine. Like I just like went on my day. Well, here's what happens for a kid if we don't repair, right? Here's that alternative that hopefully gives motivation to, to do this important thing. My kid is alone in their room and they registered that experience. Like, of course they did. We, right. This is so simple, but I think about this a lot and it like trips me out. We have the same body today as we did when we were a newborn. Like we've yeah. only had one body. So our body mm. has traveled with us through every experience and it's absorbed everything. It's like, really, it's like the house of like our entire life story and it registers what happens and we want it to. It's an animal. We want our body to notice things that happen in our environment. So what happens to that registered experience if I don't go to my son and repair? Well, I think kids like are are basically able to do two things with overwhelming, distressing experience, which they have because they got yelled at and they need our attachment to feel safe. So now they're like, oh, God, what's going on? I'm in a threat state. I'm in a threat state. I'm alone in my room. My body's going haywire. What's going on? I need to calm down my body. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What can I do? And we don't come in. So what do they do? One of two things. Number one, they self-doubt. They'd have to add a layer like this. That couldn't have happened. No, I think I make a big deal ahead of things that are actually small deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. There's no way that happened. That didn't happen. I'm just overreacting. I'm fine. I'm just going to go back out. And if we think about how many adults, when they have something hard happen, basically say to themselves, I make a big deal out of nothing. Or they pull 20 of their friends to see if their friends would feel the same way. It's just that legacy of self-doubt that lives on and gives us so much anxiety. It's like the opposite of self-trust, right? Or they do something else or and they self-blame right and they essentially say to themselves in that room I'm so bad I'm too much I'm unlovable I push people away if I was only better if I could only meet people's needs if I could only figure out this relationship these bad things wouldn't happen to me and why do kids do that well kids have to preserve their adults' goodness to feel safe in the world because those are their leaders. And so they'd always rather take in the badness themselves and internalize it to have control and to feel safe. Fast forward to adulthood. And again, I think, right, Tracy, you and I both work with so many adults in private practice. Whenever they struggle, they go into this, like, this is all my fault. Something is wrong with me. I'm not enough or I'm too much or often both, right? <laughs> and this is that legacy. And like, when I think about my kids wiring next to their struggle, self-blame, or self-doubt for both, 
simply because like I didn't repair. I can tell you that that's what gets me like off the bathroom. I'm like, Becky, okay, wait, I'm a good parent who's having a hard time. I didn't mess up my kids forever. Here's my opportunity. Like if I want to have bang for my buck here, it is. And I'm always like, I'm one for impact. Like I like to have impact. So like, here's where I can have impact. I can repair with myself. Okay. I didn't mess up my kids forever. I could go to my kid's room and say some version of, Hey, I yelled at you yesterday. That probably felt really scary. It's never your fault. When I yell, I kind of remove that self-blame. And by naming what happened, I remove the self-doubt. And what I end up wiring instead of self-blame and self-doubt is that after rupture can come connection and compassion and increased understanding and safety. And if I think about a circuit that's going to benefit my kids later on and in the moment, you know, that's definitely the one. And then when we can model it with our partners in front of our kids and, oh, goodness, yeah. It is. Yes. It it was just this really big piece. Thank you. I mean, thank you for that. I think that is, I think that and resonates with so many people. And yes, the adults that we've worked with, because this is essentially what we've been struggling with, right? It, it, is my experience real? Am I so awful and unlovable? Do my feelings even matter? Do I matter here? That's exactly right. And I, I often, you know, since I've been doing some of these live events during my book tour, I'm struck by this like incredible ripple effect. Like what if everyone who's listening to this right now pledged to first repair with themselves about something that happened with someone that didn't feel good and then actually did like go to their kid. Or maybe you're like, oh, my kid's like 30. Okay, they call you call your kid or you call your partner or you text that friend and you repair. Like what if everyone repaired today? Like I just think about the the compassion and connection and the removal of blame and criticism that we'd be taking out and how we'd be wiring um, just such positivity. And like, if we all did that, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel really hopeful and optimistic when I think about that power. So powerful. Okay. I have your book on my desk side, but I know that some people have not, believe it or not, discovered you when I'm what? sitting with colleagues and what? I'm like, Dr. Becky and Dr. Becky. And they're like, Who's Dr. Becky? I'm like, what? Where are you? In the analog world. In the analog world. So tell us where we can find your book, where we can find you, this beautiful piece of work. Thank you. Everything you can find is pretty easy to remember at goodinside.com. So at goodinside.com, the kind of most low lift first step would be like just sign up for the email I send on Thursdays. It's always like a collection of strategies or scripts or a framework that is useful in my house that week that I just email to your inbox. Uh, you can find the book there. Super proud of the book. It's much more than a collection of what's on Instagram or on my podcast. It's actually not that at all. It really lays out my more overarching theory and kind of arc of the principles. I can attest um, to that. It's different than what you see on Instagram. There is more in there. There is more richness and depth and information and just get the book. Just go and get the book. Thank you. So yeah, and I love to hear from people. So you can find me on Instagram, my own podcast, and then probably the product I've I mean, without a doubt, put the most into is our is our really comprehensive membership, giving parents content and community in one place. Because I really think we can't learn when we are alone with content, and we need to combine content with conversation. So I'm super excited about what's happening on that platform. It's amazing. I think mm-hmm. of what it would mean to sit in front of a client in 10 years, 25 years, knowing I only see adults, so people 18 and over. And mm-hmm. I just have a lot of hope and excitement about what it means to sit in front of that person who will be able to say. 
yeah, actually I do remember my mom repairing. Or even today, if an older parent is listening and calls up their child and says, you know, I was listening to this podcast and actually I remember this time that I sent you to your room or I yelled at you when I wasn't there and I'm mm. really sorry. So Dr. Becky, Massive. thank you for your time today. Thank you for giving to this community here and sharing your wisdom and expertise. Well, thank you, Tracy. Always amazing to talk to you. Thank you. This episode resonated with me in so many different ways and I want to hear from you. So do let me know in the comments, in the reviews, what stood out for you. I love hearing from you, but I want you to take away two things from today's episode. The first one is that we set boundaries with others for them, with our children for them, because we're trying to teach our children what it means to honor ourselves and other people. Number two, I want you to practice the repair this week. So first, repairing with yourself, acknowledging that we all make mistakes and that you are human and that you are still good enough. When I say this, my hand is always on my heart. Okay, the next one though is repair with someone else who truly means something to you. Let them know that you see their experience and that their experience is real to you. All right, until next time, I'm wishing you a connected week. And as I like to say at the end of all of my podcasts, you are right where you need to be. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. See you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.